Welcome to Husky Wires Husky Talk Podcast. I'm Daily Chronicle Sports Editor Eddie Carifio. With me, NIB writer Jesse Severson. Jesse, I want you to start off ballpark for me what percent responsible you personally are for the NIU men's basketball team's recent slide. I'm thinking you're about 75% responsible. See, I was going to go 66% me, 33% you, 1% just that's the way things go. Okay. Because... The NIU Huskies were riding high, and then you wrote a column praising Trayvon Baker, and how he was the heart and soul. I used to be a notorious uh, jinx, yeah, and all throughout my time in Yuma. Just jinx, even before that in Texas. Since I come out here, though, not so much. Yeah. So it, it had kind of been lifted. I kind of forgot that that was even a thing, and... Trayvon Baker is the, the cover boy for the Eddie Carifio jinx. He's gone two games without scoring a bucket now. Yeah, maybe there's true. something else at play. Maybe there's something, you know, maybe teams are figuring him out. Maybe it's a slump. I think I'm personally responsible for you that. You think you just got your stank on him. <laughs> but, but the jinx. I yeah. Well, I got to take a little bit of responsibility because I went back and I looked at, uh, did a lot of number crunching with the NIU men's games and how well they're doing late in games. And I remember I ended the column saying, like, don't expect them to turn into a pumpkin anytime soon. Q2, they lose three in a row. And, I mean, these aren't just losses. I mean, they lost to a laughable Miami of Ohio team. Yeah, all three have been double digits. The Akron one is a little misleading because that was like a one-possession game with a few minutes And Akron's a good team. Yeah. But Miami of Ohio decidedly not. And then the home loss to Buffalo Buffalo was not great. Yeah. Those are games they should have won. So this this is definitely pumpkin territory. Also, I'll have you know that um, two road games that were on ESPN3, uh, Western Michigan and then I believe Miami, I was, I was off that day and you took over and I was hanging out with my girlfriend the whole day only to find out they lost. So both, that's happened twice. That's part of the response. So NIU, I think they want me to break up with my girlfriend, right? The, hey, you know, that's your thing. Okay. You know, don't try to project. <laughs> or at least wait until after the season. Go on a break and then after the season. Well, I'm just going to say if you're going to do it, do it by Sunday because it'll save you a lot of money. That's a good point. <laughs> Valentine's Day. Didn't think about that. Yeah. Good, good so. point. Um, so whether or not we're responsible, we do have an interview with junior guard Michael Orris. He's a starter, starting guard. He uh, he's kind of bounced around. Started actually was recruited out of Illinois. Went to Kansas State. Ended up back at NIU. So we talked about a bunch of stuff with him, including what's his theory on wearing a shirt under his jersey? Because I've seen him do it a couple times. Sometimes he doesn't do it. So we got to the bottom of that. So here's our interview with Michael Orris. We're here with junior guard Michael Orris. Michael, what's kind of been going on with this team? A few losses in a row. Uh, you guys had it off to a pretty good start. I guess what's happening or I guess what's not happening in these last couple games? You know, I, there's always ups and downs in the season. I wouldn't say it's necessarily, you know, what's happening or not happening. Um, you know, sometimes you just hit a rough patch and, you know, we just got to get back to playing our basketball. Uh, when we were winning, we were getting a lot of assists, playing together. Doing that. I'm not saying we're not doing that now, but 
just get back to defending. I think that's the biggest thing with us right now is, you know, our defense is what we hang our hat on. And we were holding teams to, you know, 60, 70 points or less. And now teams are scoring more. So really it just comes down to defense. Offense will really take care of itself. Guys are going to make shots. Um, but defensively, we got to tighten it up. Like when you guys are in kind of a rough patch, is the demeanor of the team in the locker room, is it a little bit of more serious, more no-nonsense, or do you want to kind of keep, I guess, the same demeanor? Like how does does anything change, I guess, as far as inside the locker room when you're on a rough patch? Yeah, well, I mean, what changes is that, you know, you just have to you have to figure out what you're doing wrong. And, and, and figuring out with us was was – playing tighter defense and you know guys still take everything serious like we did at the beginning of the season when we're winning or whatnot I don't think the demeanor changes in that aspect but I think what changes is just focusing on and seeing film of what we're doing wrong and trying to fix it with Ohio coming up um, I mean you played them before one you kind of pulled away late I mean what are you kind of seeing coming into Saturday's game well they've been playing well um, you know they beat Kent who is in the top of our league and you know they're a good team uh, we beat them here at home uh, but we know them. We know their tendencies. We know what they want to do. We're going to probably go into a hostile environment with a lot of fans. So, again, what it's going to come down to is defending. And can we get stops? Can we get consecutive stops? The offense will take care of itself. But if we don't get stops and we don't come out ready to play, it'll be a long night. So you kind of moved all around. You kind of originally committed, I think, to Illinois, moved to Kansas State after coaching uh, change, and then back to NIU. Not just... What's hard about that, not just like being a part of a new team, but just logistically, you got to find a new place to live, you've got to get transcripts. I mean, how difficult was that, I guess, the non-basketball aspect of kind of moving all around? Yeah, it was, it was pretty, uh, pretty intense, you know, not really something that's normal. I know I definitely didn't want to do something like that when I talk about my recruitment and how it all went, but um, actually coming to NIU was pretty smooth. Um, you know, I had my best friend Sonny from high school, or Eric, you guys all call him, Armstead, and he didn't have a roommate in the dorms, so instead of me trying to find a place outside of campus and something like that, I just moved in right with him. Transcripts take, took care of itself, and things kind of went smoothly when I came here. So at Kansas State, you're living in Manhattan, Kansas. Was there any time where you kind of told somebody that you lived in Manhattan and tried to play it off like you're living in Manhattan, New York? <laughs> All the time. Really? Well, well, what you do is you say, I'm in Manhattan, yeah. and then leave it at that. And then if, if they, they, if they say, uh, it's uh, New York, then, yeah. let then they say, well, Manhattan. I was like, yeah, the, you know, the little apple. That's what they call it. <laughs> yeah. so. Speaking of Kansas State, earlier this year uh, against Florida International, you played against a former teammate, uh, Adrian Diaz, who's at Florida International. I mean, what was that like? Because you actually scored a basket going right up against the big guy. Yeah, no, it was great. Uh, Me and Adrian were close, especially with us both transferring at the same time out of Kansas State. We worked out and hung out with each other every single day until the school season was over. Um, We talked a lot before the game texting and calling each other got to see him hang out with them a little bit but it was fun it was fun playing against him I know he didn't like to have the game that he wanted to but we were happy that he was in foul trouble <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, it was fun when you kind of go I mean go ahead straight up into him and score a basket that's sweeter going up against a former teammate right yeah. just a normal player oh it's definitely I mean I, I scored a buck on that game a little pound on the button said a few words <laughs> yeah. it was it was cool 
So I noticed sometimes you wear a shirt under your jersey during games, sometimes you don't. What's your policy? Like, how do you decide? Sometimes I see it, sometimes I don't. I never know well, what to expect I, from you. I just tried it. Tried something new, you know, a couple games. And then I, the way the way our jerseys fit, I don't like it. Because in high school, I wore a uh, shirt underneath every time I played. Yeah, so I'm a huge like, fan of shirt underneath so, jerseys. So I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll go back to my high school days and put on that, but with the jerseys we have and how tight they are nowadays, it just it didn't work out. Didn't yeah. um, I've noticed uh, you and a couple other guys, the shorts seem shorter this year. <laughs> I mean, a lot of the guys, they're like above the knee. I mean, is that is that a, my imagination? Is that a thing? Because I know LeBron had talked about, like, he's wearing shorter shorts than usual. It's, I don't it's... It's weird because I've I've always been a really like baggy short guy. Like yeah. I had my Jordan shorts that would always go down past my knees and blah blah blah. But I don't know. It just feels more comfortable sometimes. But like practice shorts, I don't put my practice shorts high, but because those shorts feel good. But sometimes the game shorts just feel a little too. So what made you change though? I mean, was there a moment where you're just like, all right, who cares? I'm gonna hike them up a little bit. I think it's just the shorts themselves, just yeah. how they felt. Like the the uniform shorts just didn't feel you know, tight enough and felt a little looser. And so that's kind of what the change is about. Talking about one of your teammates, Marin Maric. He's got a thick accent. He's from Croatia. Especially in the beginning where there are moments where you're like, I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> There's a lot of those moments. <laughs> yeah, I, lived so. with them, I lived with them last year. So, I mean, Marin's a great guy. He still struggles with some of his English words that he says, which is awesome. We all make fun of him, but yeah. in a good way. And he takes it to a grain of salt and you know it's hard sometimes it's hard yeah. to understand so what's your best uh marn being newish to america story anything where he's kind of fascinated by something uh, mundane or something he said i probably have some I, none are coming to my mind right away but i probably have a lot i'll get back to you on that one if I <laughs> yeah all right michael hey appreciate the time and best of luck against ohio on saturday thank you appreciate it So that was junior guard Michael Oris talking about Croatian center Marin Maric. And he's not the Croatian only... Croatian sensation. He's not the only one that has a hard time understanding him. Because I know in post-game interviews, whenever I've interviewed Maric, like I'll go back and re-listen to it. And I'm like, God, what, what did he say? Did he say what I think he said? It's, it's very difficult. So you're saying- because he has a deep voice, too. It's not just the accent. He's kind of got this deep... You know, a voice that kind of makes it hard to I thought to you said it was offensive to do impressions. Well, anyway, I mean, we do want to point out that that interview, there is one topic missing from it, and that is... The death of his older brother, Billy, in a motorcycle accident this past summer. And I kind of did a story about kind of the after effects of that incident and kind of the bond between the brothers, which is very strong. I mean, he even talks about... When he was at Kansas State, Billy took went on a first date with the girl. Okay, I'm guessing an only date. To, no, they actually ended up dating for a while, oh, basically. Really? <laughs> and so he he goes on a date with her to the movies and insists that Michael comes along. So he's like the third wheel. And so the girl is kind of sitting between them. And during the previews, Billy's kind of checking over, looking at Michael like, what, "What's going to go? Is he okay?" And stuff like that. <laughs> And eventually he taps his date on the shoulder and says, hey, can we switch seats so I can sit next to Michael? 
So, like, this is a very big, like, brotherly love type of bond. And, I mean, it, it, it's hard to listen to him talk about kind of the after uh, effects of this accident. Um, it, it's definitely an interesting story. It should be up. Uh, we'll be up by the time the podcast is up. It should be, yeah. Uh, on uh, huskywire.com, also daily-chronicle.com. And just, yeah, it was a, a tremendous uh, uh, piece. And you got to give kudos to him just for continuing. And I, I asked him, there's so many, like, nuggets in there that I wanted to get in there, but I didn't have kind of space or couldn't fit it in. But yeah, yeah, yeah. One yeah. of them, um, I asked him, like, because when something like that happens, you either can't go on, you got to quit, like, you just can't do it or like you need the basketball and i asked him like did he ever think about not kind of quitting the team and just walking away from it and he kind of said you know it was interesting because he was like yeah it was my job i signed up for this like i made the commitment and i was like man like the team would understand (laughs) and he's like yeah i know but just like i felt this obligation that i needed to kind of finish what he's what he started and plus, it was a way, I guess, to honor the brother. Um, right. I mean, with the number change and just kind of continuing to play basketball. So anyway, yeah, that is a uh, very emotional story by Jesse up on uh, the websites. Uh, probably by the time you're hearing this. Yeah. So. so how worried should we be about this three-game losing streak of the men's basketball? Uh, I think this kind of changes how we're talking about the year. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think we go from talking about them being a, a very heavy favorite winning the MAC to definitely being human. I mean, there's still a lot of season left to play. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would think they are able to recover from this. I would think that they'll s- still get at least one, if not two, buys in the MAC tournament. You know, finish should finish top four in the MAC. Still, they're still winning the division. So that's what I'm thinking at this point. Yeah, at this point, because I remember talking earlier, and even when they were winning, we both kind of said, you know, maybe they'll win like one game in the MAC tournament, which would still be an improvement. I mean, it seems like this is kind of getting a little closer to earth. I don't think, I don't think they're a team that's going to. I guess the bottom's going to fall out of the boat, but I think they'll probably hover right around. 500 from here on out. I think this does show that it's Trayvon Baker's team. I mean, hands down, he is. If he's not scoring for better and winning. worse, yeah. yeah. I mean, if if, <laughs> if it was better been... for the for the first uh, couple months of the year, but the last couple of weeks, that has definitely been the for worse right part of it. But you would think this is. I mean, they'll find a way. I think. Obviously, it won't be his team. Any, I mean, it just can't be, or they're going to be the worst team in the MAC mm-hmm. if he's still putting up zero points and they're losing and losing and they can't win. I mean, but one good thing I don't it, think that's going to continue. I mean, Baker, Baker, I think will find it his way. Yeah, and one thing I did like was it seemed like uh, Mar and Marsh kind of got back to his normal self. I think he had like nineteen points, eleven rebounds, another double double. Kind of snapped a stretch where it's like, man, he's putting up like. Four points yeah. and like three rebounds. So it was nice to see Marin break out of that little slump. And both only need to do it for this year because I think by next year, the, the other story you wrote, which is currently up on Husky Wire from earlier in the week about the three freshmen. Oh, yeah. I think that next year it's their team. <laughs> but uh, we'll see. Well, and Marshawn Wilson is like on another level right now. He scored, I think, another 25 in the loss to Buffalo, the last three games he's averaging twenty-one points. Yeah, they got it. I'm. Uh, 
reserved in saying it's his team because, I mean, they're not winning. I mean, yeah, you he's gotta, kind of coming off the bench. But, I mean, it right. is nice because that just got some freakish athleticism. He can really jump and hop. Um, I know talking with Montgomery, a lot of it's kind of like, all right, if we can get him going on the defensive end, uh, he's going to be a heck of a player. Surprised more coaches didn't go to more AAU games for the three of them. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised that he turned down Wisconsin. Like he had an offer for Wisconsin. I think he had an offer for TCU, but his mom didn't want him going that far Robert. away. But still, I mean, Madison—he's a Minnesota guy, so it's not like he had ties to Illinois. So I mean, that right. might have just been the other two, you know? Yeah, and yeah, it could be that. I mean, I think part of it is. Montgomery. I think he kind of saw something in Montgomery. So, I mean, definitely a good note for Marshawn. Speaking of freshmen, do um, you have anything basketball-related until we talk about signing day? Uh, women's basketball, they're winning. Yeah, they got a nice little buzzer beater, Cassidy Glenn. Ex- explain what it was like in the Combo Center in the last uh, few seconds. Yeah, it was, well, I would like to say, wow, it was crazy. You couldn't hear anything. But, I yeah. mean, the crowd for the game was pretty light. Very light. Yeah. Um, especially because this was a mere barely 12 hours after the uh, former Castle Challenge, the first National Bank Challenge, where... Between DeKalb and Sycamore. Sycamore, where the convo gets packed and loud and what NIU fans wish even a men's game could be like, let alone yeah. a women's game. But, um... So it wasn't quite at that level. But, I mean, it was... How, uh, talking with the team, because they were on a seven-game losing streak at this point. Yeah. Was there a sense of, like, weight off the shoulders? Like, whew, okay, we finally got one? Yeah, and, I, you know, I asked if something like, you know, is it just to end the streak? Or does ending it like that kind of change things? And, yeah. Uh, uh, Carlson was like, that. Yeah, we won. That's what matters. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter how. But uh, especially Kelly Smith after the game was saying how she thinks that winning in this fashion, like, is even better than a win, you know, like that. Well, they're definitely going to have their hands full um, on Saturday, playing at Ohio. The Bobcats beat them seventy-two to forty-seven. The last time they met, that one that was last pretty year. tough to watch. Last no, se- oh, was the, this year? earlier this season? Yeah, Buffalo is seventeen and four on the year, so we'll see how much momentum I mean, they have. Seventeen and four. Yeah, Ohio is seventeen and four on the year, so we'll see how much momentum NIU has if they can kind of sneak into Athens and steal a win. That's right. It seems like it was like a three-game winning streak, but it's just it just counts as one win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and they were also uh, off this week, right? They didn't play. At yeah, they didn't play earlier in the week, so, so I no guess they could game. kind of really prepare and get a good game plan going for Ohio. It'll be tough. Yeah. But. So let's talk signing day. Do you, do you want to talk signing day or do you want to talk day after signing day? Both. <laughs> I, have, I have an emotional interest in the day after. Um, I went to Oregon State and the day after signing day... I believe day, some of us are familiar with this. And the day after signing day, it was announced that NIU had signed Seth Collins, who started several games for the Beavers. We seven, right? Yeah, um, as a true freshman. And for those fans out there, uh, YouTube the video from the spring game where he literally hurdles a defender. And it's not like a guy that's like down in a low position. Like the guy barely has his head down, and Collins literally jumps over him, which is really cool. But also 
not sure you want to see your quarterback doing that. But he has to sit out next year, right? Yeah. So so he'll he'll sit out as Drew Hare kind of finishes up. It actually times out perfectly because you have Hare do his senior year while Collins uh, sits out, and then after Hare is gone, presumably maybe Collins steps in and takes over because you don't really want a huge like gap between okay who's our next quarterback if you can right. kind of scheme it. Like hair, and then bam, Collins is in there. Pretty yeah, good way. And then that leads uh, after Collins leaves. Then that's when finally uh, Jordan Lynch Jr. gets the start. Yeah, Anthony Thompson from Mount Carmel. Uh, quick note on Collins. I mean, as an Oregon State guy, um, they had like Ship three. Went out. Literally, you're drinking out of an OSU water bottle. Yeah, right literally, <laughs> there is an Oregon State water bottle that I'm drinking out of, but. It came into the season, they were really young at quarterback. There's like three guys, and like Collins was the runner. They had another guy who was like the, the more traditional thrower, and they had another guy. And so they kind of, like there was the big debate heading into the season, like, okay, who's going to be the quarterback? And I think they kind of split some time, um, and Collins eventually, I think he kind of got banged up. Still ran for, I think, three touchdowns against Oregon, which was nice to see. <laughs> But in the loss. So I'm pumped. I'm pumped for Husky fans. I think Collins could be really good, especially at this level at the MAC. Um, Try not to let the, the disgust drip off your voice yeah. when you say MAC. Pro tip there. Just, you know. How? You, you can say MAC. Or can, can I say the MAC conference? <laughs> uh, that's absolutely fine. That's a, yeah, that's a drinking game. Uh, Plenty of people yeah. have heard that, I think, from my ESPN3 announcers this year. So speaking of close to home, let's talk about Florida. Let's let's go the other way. You're a Florida guy. You know all these Florida towns. Five more Floridians? Is that the right? What would it be if not Florida? Floridites? Florida? Floridians. Floridians. Um, Coming on this uh, on this recruiting class. So that's 12, I think, in three years. Plus three, was it, out of Broward County? Two out of Broward County? You have the St. Thomas. I don't County. know where Broward County oh. is, for crying out loud. <laughs> Go on, but, as you were saying. Anyway. But Kerry was saying, like, yeah, it's, you know, you don't want to kind of overgeneralize, but still you kind of want to get the big bodies, the uh, the linemen, the the linebackers, fullbacks from, from the, Midwest. the Midwest, and you get your skill guys from, you know, Florida, which, I mean, I, I know they got a few more wide receivers, Andrew Parchment, who uh, originally committed to Cincinnati, and then decommitted, and then went to NIU. Um, he actually was childhood friends with Albert Smalls, the uh, the NIU cornerback. So there's a relationship there. And that was a big factor in coming here, right? Yeah. Because you actually got the chance to talk to a mm-hmm. parchment. So how important for you, for NIU, is it recruiting locally? And how important is it to recruit, I guess, Let's get some big time players from Florida. Like, is it important the, that they recruit locally? It is, and you see, there's not an issue with them recruiting locally. I mean, yeah, you know, they ten landed. Illinois guys. Yeah, so I mean, and most of them from like you know the the suburbs, right? Locally, so I don't. That's going to come. That's not a problem. You know, the being able to get people from a football hotbed. You know, granted, your first thought would probably be Texas, but you right. know, Florida's up there right after that. So yeah, I think I think Texas, tier. California, Florida, like the three, 
the three that big sounds time. about right yeah and California, you know, could be a little overrated. I'm kind of in that school of thought, but I'm biased too. Maybe so. get your quarterbacks from California. I wonder who, what, like, what's what state produces the most like big time quarterbacks. Hmm. That's it. Probably would be California. Yeah, I would think it? California. So, but anyway, no. But being able, I mean, that's what set, that's what sets a school apart is being able to recruit from your California's, Florida's, or uh, mm-hmm. Texas's, and not being from that area to be able to go into. You know, Miami, FIU, FAU's backyard and being able to pluck, you know, from them. I mean, obviously it would be great if they could do that in Texas as well. But, mm-hmm. I mean, they've got a pretty good pipeline set up right now with Florida to be able to fill in those pieces as they need them. So here's a question. After the Huskies got their butts kicked against Boise State, there was a thought of, like, how much will this hurt their brand, their national brand? So that game happened in late December. Andrew Parchment, the the Florida wide receiver, decommitted and committed to NIU in late January. So the question is, how much does that hurt their I think in the big picture, a lot of that... There's a lot of stuff around, I think, recruiting that gets overblown. I think when it comes right down to it, I think recruiting is a much more personal thing yeah. than people realize. It's a. I think it comes down to the relationship, like uh, Andrew Parchman already has mm-hmm. with uh, a player already on the team, or how good the recruiting coaches go in and what kind of connection they make with the players. I think that's what most of that is, because I don't know how much detail I want to go into right here, but... We had uh, requested some documents from the NIU, which turned out to be nothing, but we were looking for them, and legally we were within our rights, and they actually went extra long with holding these documents from us against what the law is supposed to be because they were worried it would, if it got out, it would hurt recruiting because it was something negative about a coach or a member of the staff. Right. I think that's a bunch of BS, to be honest with you. I mean, because, again, I think it's at the the recruiting is done at the personal level. And I think that's what it really comes down to. And we want to think it's more than that because recruiting is such a big, like recruiting media is such a big multi-million dollar industry these days. And, you know, kids on ESPN with the hats and all this stuff. And you want to think that there's like a science that goes into it. And the more and more you learn about it, I think the more and more it seems that it's, not a science. It, 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 it's a personal. That's the word I've said now twelve times. Yeah. Um, well, that's what Carrie said. It's a relationship business. Yeah. Like, you know, you have to want them, but they also have to kind of want you. And it's not as simple as like, okay, go get that kid. Like, yeah, there's a little bit of sales pitch to it, but at the end of the day, like the kid still needs to want to come to NIU. If they lost their bowl game by thirty, or they won their bowl game by thirty, that list would. I would bet you'd be the same. It it wouldn't have mattered one way or the other. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, any, other, <laughs> any other signing day? You're kind of you're you're all worked up. I am all worked up now, yeah. man. That's because I think signing day gets a little overblown anyway. I think what's happened in the signing day in the last ten years is mm-hmm. uh, not good for anybody. I don't think. I don't think in the long run it's good for the media. I don't think it's definitely not good for the. the for 17, 18-year-olds to be scrutinized to the degree that they are and put out there, you know, especially with psychopath fans from major colleges, right? you know, that dwarf anything you see even at the mid-major level. I'm talking like the, the Alabamas, Florida States. You the know, guys those. that poison trees because of rivalries. Yeah. 
<coughs> That's so good making me choke. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's good overall. Plus, I mean, th- this all changes. I mean, we were talking about it the other day. It's like what's, you know, is following recruiting kind of like, well, what's the difference between that and following a team's draft picks at the pro right. level? Right, because that's very popular. I mean, NFL sure. draft, NBA draft. I mean, I'm a, I'm an NBA draft nerd. Like, I go through and look at all the prospects, and you feel like that dynamic is different than the high school to college. I think it's absolutely different. Because um, when you're talking, first of all, not that drafts are 100%, mm-hmm. but at least draft, there's a track record. And you're talking about adults and not kids. Right. And I mean, this isn't like kids, I refer to a college kid at age 20. I mean, these are literally kids. Mm-hmm. Their bodies haven't developed. They're still only, at best, 18. You know? You don't know what's going to happen over the next four years. And so much happens. I mean, this list of, what, 23 guys that IU has, you know how many of them are going to play Games for NIU between either dropping out or transferring or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, half? Maybe? Probably less. Yeah, and it's just something about the star system thing. It's it's so dumb. I wrote a column about how dumb it is. But it there it is something alluring. I don't know what it is. Like, the two, three stars. Like, something like, about the stars. I think people stars. want it to be like a draft. I think that's what it is. Yeah. People want it to be... The equivalent of a draft, and it's not mm-hmm. for a number of reasons we talked about. Yeah, I mean, I think it helps show, and I think fans at this point can kind of take it however they want to take it. Where if, like, if Western Mission gets gets a bunch of three star guys, they think, oh, we got the best draft class. Whereas NIU recruiting class, <laughs> recruiting class, excuse me. Whereas NIU. Um, they can say, you know what, like, who cares? That it's a two-star. Who cares? Like, we develop. It's all about the development of the players. And that's something that carries stress, too, was um, that it's all about the development of these players. Like, the recruiting, the recruiting and the signing day is just the first step to the overall process. Because if you look at all these great players that NIU has had, like a lot of them start out as two star recruits. Yeah, Lynch was it? Lynch two-star. was a two, yeah, Heisman finalist. Ness, Conlon, Hare, Borneo. I mean, all these guys were very. They weren't exactly highly another, touted guys. That's another difference between a draft and a recruiting class. A draft. I mean, to a certain degree, you're not going to have an incredible improvement over someone. You know, mm-hmm. you mostly know like what they are you know their basketball skill level is their basketball skill level yeah you know every now and then just to a system and that sort of thing that's where the difference comes in for a pro pro player right player gets sometimes there's a player that's kind of deep deep in the draft maybe there's something i guess quote unquote wrong with them but it ends up not being an issue but i mean it is um signing day is a funny thing i mean people people love it I mean, I guess it's fun, but... Um, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it is it is what it is. I mean, I think four years from now, people will kind of completely forget about some of these players because that's the way it goes. Like, some of these players, by uh, four years, four or five years from now, they, they won't be on the roster, and, like, NIU fans will hardly remember who they are. And I think that's the big thing about it, and that's why... I guess it's to some degree true in drafts, but maybe drafts are overblown, right? Yeah. 
Well, you said that we weren't going to talk any football uh, a few podcasts ago until spring football. Well, I'm a dirty liar. Yeah. I forgot about I forgot about signing day. Yeah. How could I? signing day should be the day to celebrate the high school end of it? it? Should be a big day for the high schoolers, not for the the colleges. colleges. That I you would know, agree with. Like yeah. you know the, the the story that we wrote about the high school kids. It's a good way to celebrate their careers coming to an end and everything. But to put so much you know stock in it, you, you know we should be celebrating Nick Neiman signing with Iowa. But for Iowa to be you know uh, an alum to be celebrating signing Nick Neiman, yeah, just wait. <laughs> yeah, give it a minute. So that's my thought on that. So there you go, football talk. You know, after the the, the we uh, the the one and one program is being benched for some retooling, <laughs> it needs to work on its jumper. <laughs> that was supposed bit. to be the, the cloud show was on hiatus. Yeah, for retooling. So it needs to work on its jumper. I like that. That's good. Yeah, so. and we're running out of time. Yeah. So um, too much signing day talk. Way too much. There you go. Signing day strikes again. Yeah. So, um, you got the story on Oris. It should be online uh, by here Friday evening. They'll have recaps of the uh, NIU games. Uh, also on HuskyWire.com, Daily-Chronicle.com. For Jesse Severson, I'm Eddie Carifio saying see you next week.